Hello. Are we? Is this being? Are we recording? We're now we recording. recording. We're recording. Okay, I didn't mean that first. Hello. Can we start all over? <laughs> sure thing. Just say welcome to the build show. They did the thing that you were we were talking about. <clears throat> welcome to the build show where surrealism and Catholicism can live in peace. Sis. What? My name is Zach. I'm Anthony. Um, are we doing what we are or our names? I would do what you are. Both, all of the above. Yeah, well, my name is uh, Marvin, and I am Deacon. Add that up. Reverend Mister? Reverend, yeah, they, that, yeah, Reverend Mister. Mr. Reverend. There's a lot of interruption going on here, I don't... <laughs> Reverend Mister Marvin Soto. Hello. Hello. Hello there, Reverend Mister Deacon Marvin Soto. Scrogglins, what is surrealism? I don't even know, actually. What is that? Uh, you were trying to explain it by like yeah. eating a doorknob well, just, and an umbrella? Okay, uh, <laughs> you're being really simplistic about this. Surrealism, Scroggins, is when you go get the door. But the door is not a door. But the door is not a door. The door is a giant whale, and the doorknob is his tongue. But the tongue is, is really an umbrella. And you're falling from the sky like a Looney Tunes character with an umbrella to protect you. But the anvil is coming up from below. That doesn't make any sense. Surrealism, my friend. You Catholicism got and surrealism. You got it. It makes complete sense. Oh, we Sen- Googled it? Surrealism apparently oh, is a cultural spoil movement. But it's go not giving me a definition. Go to, go to images. <laughs> you can't, you <laughs> can't images. Wikipedia this. You have to go to images. Is your filter on? What? No, probably. But I'm seeing like an elephant with a trumpet on its head. That got it. has its head. I'm surrealism. Sur- so are you saying that surrealism... Is basically like not reality. I'm seeing an Olaf made out of triangles. Um, did it, does it say non-reality? I don't oh, know. Is that what it means? Catholicism and, uh, and surrealism are simpatico. The kingdom and I aren't that simpatico. Oh, that's brought up a tangled line. Sorry. Uh, I'm still confused. Why? Maybe this will clear it up. Guess what it sounds like. Read a book. Oh, theme music. That makes sense. And from there we cut to theme music. Am I supposed to sing the theme music? Yes. Guys, back me up here. Okay, can we pick a key? Key of G? What is that key? We couldn't hit a key if it was the side of a barn we were inside with a snowball. Is there any other? We couldn't hit a key if it was the ocean and we were falling from the sky. Oof. Can I have the lo- the key that goes to the safe? Like okay, I said, you know we couldn't hit a key. There's a if pun there, the road, you noticed. And we, we were driving. I just want to uh, enough with the puns. Enough. enough. They're not. They're not. They're the worst. They're not comedy. They're not nothing. They're, what if this was the episode where we did a cold open? What's a cold? I mean, I know what a cold open is, but like, are you saying this is our cold open? Aren't all of our cold? Our episodes What's have cold, a cold open. That's one of those things. Did like, I see really that has, wrong open? Doesn't have like, like anything to do. Every now and then I say these words. So hang on, let me put this. Let me put this simply for you, Deacon. A cold open is when you have something that doesn't relate at all to the show, but it's like something—a funny little skit ca- sketch thingy. Did we not just say where surrealism and Catholicism can live in peace? Still doesn't make any sense to me. We're being meta here. We're the We're, cold open. Well, this is all the cold this, open. This is, you ruined this is it. the cold open. It was a cold is open, it? and you brought it into the warm inside. My my apologies to, to the it was in the into a to a warm inside. Thanks, Tone Deaf. What? <laughs> Tony here. Tony Scroglins. Tony Scroglins. What is up, my man? I mean, that's actually my Can question for you. Can I interview you guys for a change? <laughs> like, that would be to? great. The people are we just are we just going to go right into this? I think we're just assuming there. that we're going into it. Okay, yeah. here we go. The I mean, people are wanting a. They've been aching for a plot twist. We've been reading the comment section on your YouTube. Where's the camera, by the way? The camera oh, the camera's in the fan above you. Okay, because I, I, uh, I did my hair for this uh, vlog. Did you actually do your hair? Huh? It looks the same as when you wake up. That's really mean. Wow. <laughs> Golly. That's really mean, Tony. I'm a clergyman. Oh, my gosh. What's going on here? So, wait. Are, are you conducting the interview today? Um, I think we should just, just see where this goes, guys. Um, I think the people We're enjoy just some just spontaneity sometimes. Oh, uh, we, we can talk about many things here. We can talk about. We the, should before we go any further. Yeah. We should learn about our interviewer, though. Um, That's true. Who is <clears throat> this mysterious? I was going to say mustachioed man, but because it sounds cool, but he, he doesn't, doesn't have, have a mustache. I, oh, pistachioed I man. 
this pistachio. No, what? Don't be offensive towards the people who have allergies out there. Uh, <laughs> Come on. Pistachio allergies are really a thing out there. and Millions of people, people, people suffer hurt. every year, Jim. <laughs> yeah, you can't even get on a plane with pistachios. Allergies are not a joke, Jim. So today we answer the question, who is the Reverend Mr. Deacon Soto? I'm, I'm a man of God who is here to serve the Diocese of Phoenix. Um, that's it. Been in seminary with in what seems uh, or for what seems a very long time joyfully following Jesus Christ and teaching his church in his church and the ways of the church that's that's Marvin Soto that's what I'm about so here's hold, hold on Tony <laughs> hold on <laughs> okay he's, Tony, monolo- he's monologuing here's what I want to know what are you about Tony what am I about tone deaf what are you about and now you got like define that question for me like there's okay, gonna be you know, a broad sense of things want, yeah no what are you about Tony I just want to know that. The people want to know that. Not what you do. Not your story. What are you about? What so is? Like, are you saying what, what my is purpose is? What is the center is? of gravity of your soul? Are you asking what my purpose is? No. I'm asking what you're about. This is the meta episode because it's surreal. I ju- it, it just clicked. What are you about, Scroggins? What are you about, Scroggins? Y'all are ganging up at me about this what am I about question. <laughs> and I feel like I'm going to answer it wrong because I'm not entirely sure what it means. But... To answer you plainly, or uh, as simply, plain as a as plain bagel with oh gosh, cream cheese. There's a violin made out of the back of a person that I'm seeing He's on the surrealism stuff. We're going to close, you, you close down. Uh, close down. There's, there's, there's just a rabbit hole. Like you, literally, <laughs> literally a rabbit hole. Literally, with this but is it even a rabbit images. hole? Um, I want to know. Is it actually, actually a donkey? I don't want to know. What, what are you about? The, the moral, like, like epicenter. The, the imaginative epicenter of Scroglins' life. What are you about? The imaginative epicenter. Zach, if I answer this, you have to answer this question as well. Now oh, too. I'm going to ZZ so, over here next. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, interesting. Okay. So, I would say what I'm about is bringing, is, is bringing the joy of the Lord, the, the true, like the, and like the joy through love of the Lord to the people or to God's creation and to be his instrument to the people and to, or to his people. And yeah, that's, that is, that's pretty, that's what you're about. That is what you get up in the morning. That is the love of God to people. Is that what, like, as you're brushing your teeth in the morning, is that what you're thinking about? What if he doesn't brush that, his teeth in the morning? I'm not sentence. thinking about anything in the morning. Then like, are you really about that, though? So you're saying I'm if, about nothing? No, I'm asking you. Are you really about that? If in the morning, as you brush, brush your teeth, as you wash down that uh, ghastly morning breath with Listerine before the presence of the Lord in the sanctuary. Unfortunately, I have no Or in the sink. What are, you, what are you about? I'm just curious about this question every time I meet a person. So I... Wait. So is there a particular answer you're looking for no no i want to know i'm your answer because i mean i'm about licorice and jellyfish but that's just me well there you go looks disappointed no i'm happy Um, that's a yeah i that's what you're about man i'm like here to i'm here to judge very good i'm here as a friend on the journey i'm here as a friend on the journey in camino they say uh in el camino in camino and in spanish that's in el camino, in camino, and in, in Latin that's in via. So yeah, whoa! I have a dictionary. Whoa! Um, he also has glasses. Therefore, I have he glasses, is smart. and they fog up when I laugh really hard, and it's really embarrassing. It's really funny. Um, <laughs> Zizi, yes, my man. Yeah. What are you about? What are you about, man? Like, what is that thing? That person? Gets me that up idea? In the morning. The concept, the direction upon which you walk. The central cog in the midst of the chamber of gears that is my intellect. The gravitational pull which will suck even the light out of your retina and clog it up in, within itself and never you will never see it again. What are you about? Turning it to a satiable black hole. Mm. Um, mm. Tasty. I bet it tastes like licorice. Um, we're stepping out of the surrealism bubble for a moment. It's been popped. Oh, that's a cool little sound. 
Was that a soundboard? No, it was not. Was that, that you? Was, that was yeah. his. That Did was I get him. another one? Wow, I really <laughs> like that. That was amazing. That was pretty cool. Okay. Scroggins, do you have any noises? <laughs> oh, I've got many noises. Nope, nope. Do you want to hear them? No, just one representative of the whole collection. Okay. <laughs> there you go. That's what you That's got. <laughs> okay, you know what? We don't know if it's a laugh or a pig. We're yeah, that, that's a bit flatulent for there me. Uh, what am I about? Guys, these are the questions, guys. This is actually making me like... We could go the easy route and say... Into my soul here, because when you said, what do I like think about or I care about when I wake up in the morning? I'm like, literally nothing. And that might be why I have such a hard time getting up in the morning. Mm. <laughs> like, is that why morning people aren't morning people? Because we have nothing to live for? We're like, we're like we're about nothing. Okay, calm down, Schopenhauer. <laughs> uh, Shoot, I'm just wondering because people will tell you their hobbies. People will tell you what they like, the music. People will tell you their religion. People will tell you their career. They'll tell you their name and maybe even their middle name. Oh, um, or both of them. They won't tell you what they're about. Ooh, actually, the Lord brings to my mind a memory mm-hmm. of recent from last night, actually. This what is fine. This actually time. clicks. No, no, no. This was after I worked out. Oh. Uh, I was working out and it was late and I was exhausted and so I laid so on the I floor. Exactly. Sorry at night and it I just do. makes me self-conscious when I'm out there praying the rosary because <laughs> I'm still fully clothed and ready for bed. And he's just working out. I'm like, God, oh, jeez, I need to change my ways. I just thought I'd confess well, it to I, the world. Deacon, I thank you. Out there, uh, hacking some wood with your. That's great what axe. I'm really the angry. Mexican lumberjack. Yeah, the Mexican lumberjack. Yeah, the Mexican lumberjack. Is that it? Is that what we're... That, that might be are. yours. All right. Either that or... Um, what was the other one? Uh, Latino Bulk. Latino Bulk is Latino another big name. I, I really, I'm really rather though. fond of that one. <laughs> it's, it's, it, it rolls off the tongue. The I really Latino like Bulk like, does, really does like not it. fit Deacon. Latino Bulk? I think... Lat- oh, Bulk? Yeah, Bulk. What did you think it was? <laughs> <laughs> what were you thinking it was? I thought you said Bulk. We're learning what Scruggs is about. I was like... Latino Bulk? Like, not fast. No, Bulk, my friend. Read the room. Gosh. I was. That's why I didn't think Bolt worked. No, you obviously weren't. Anyway, um, we were getting to something deep yes. here with Zach, and I, I don't really like to circle back to that. Circle back. Let's circle back. Yes. That sounds put like a, pin a Jen Podolsky thing. Who? Okay, you're getting we're... necessarily political. I don't... Oh, we're always political. Yes. Unnecessarily? Okay. Anyways, though? last night... As I as I finished exercising and I was freaking exhausted, I laid down on my floor in my room because that's naturally what I do when when you're exhausted. You lay down and you collapse and you're like, "All right, I'm done. Take me, Lord. I'm finished." Um, but I had a fascinating little like conversation kind of with myself, where I was kind of like, "Well, shoot, why am I working out? Heck, why am I waking up early in the morning? Well, shoot, why the heck am I still praying? What's going on here?" And it was like, "Oh, well, it's ultimately out of faith." Because if I can get up and if I can fight the good fight and I can pray every day, uh, you know, what am I doing that for? Why am I doing that? Ultimately, it's because there's someone who loves me and there's the hope that one day when he comes again or when I when he calls me to him, I will see him face to face and he will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And that is why it's worth getting up in the morning to struggle through the day and be joyful and loving to my neighbor and to rejoice in the presence of the Lord. Man, I need to do some of those push-ups. <laughs> Who's coaching you, my friend? That's Whoa. really good. Well, thank you. Nice. That's beautiful. Thank you. Nice. I'll tell you. I'll. Yes. What are you about? What Me? are you about? Okay. Yes. I mean, Mar- okay. Break. We're is this inter- a yes. safe space? This is a very safe space. Is it, I let mean, me look up the window. On the, on the public are, uh, internet domain. All right. This is a safe space. I'll tell you what I'm about. I like a lot of things. I enjoy a lot of things. I hate a lot of things. But I'll tell you what I'm about. Marvin Soto, Deacon Marvin Soto, is about finding the sermon to end the world. I am, I am about finding the sermon that upon its last period or exclamation mark, it's not going to be a question mark. Because that'd be so ironic. That's to be off with oh, the world ends. But it'd, ends but on it'd a be so surreal. That'd be so oh. Upon the ending of that sermon of fire, the trumpet will sound, the heavens will be rent open, and the glory of the Lord will crash upon earth, the good to be separated from the bad, and the Lord taking his elect with him. Somewhere, that sermon is somewhere, and I'm finding little pieces of it everywhere. I have like, like, like this board in my room, like a conspiracy board, tying up 
little uh, pins from pieces of Martin Luther King to JP2 to Benedict XVI to Augustine to Aquinas, little snippets of this great sermon to end the world. And my friends, oh, I thought at first, I thought at first that this sermon was to be found upon the pages of sacred writ and then upon the pages of the fathers and the doctors of the church, but it's all over the place, scattered through many places. Literature, poems, the great odes of old, Horace, Virgil, Dante, this great sermon to end the world scattered through all these places, and I'm about finding it, which is why I spent all this time in the bookshops of America, Barnes & Noble, uh, book gallery, secondhand books, sometimes even going to swap meets and garage sales, just looking, sniffing through books, looking for the sermon to end the world. That is absolutely what I'm about. Thank you. Interesting. So do you, like, are you trying to be the one to give it? I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I will be the prophet to utter this sermon, but it's out there somewhere. Somewhere. You get little snippets of it through movies, literature, through poems. Like, you hear every now and then a great bumper sticker out there like that. That line is in the greatest poem. Excuse hmm. me, the great sermon to end the world. I carry a little notebook and I hear these little lines. And like that line, that line is definitely in the sermon to end the world. So and I write I, it down. So your goal. So because if you find the whole sermon is what you're saying, would you be the one to give it? No, I might be the one hearing it. Or I might find a quarter of the sermon to end the world in the pages of a great novel like like Go Down Moses, the whole short story, The Bear. Part of the great sermon to end the world is in that story. Or, I don't know, F. Scott Fitzgerald. I don't know. All these great authors with a sight where they pierce into reality and distill it into words and prose and wonder. It's something to do with a sermon to end the world. That's what I'm looking for. I am about that. It sounds as though it's a canonized saintly version of National Treasure. What was and, that? Yes. Yes. And you a little are bit like that. Uh, I am not as diligent as Nicolas Cage. Uh. I am really rather languid in my search for the sermon. <laughs> a lot of the times I'm searching for the sermon on Amazon books, <laughs> scrolling endlessly <laughs> and reading reviews. Yeah. To, to determine if any if others have found the, the clue hidden within what was that? The the comments to determine if anyone has found the clue hidden within yeah, and, the Yeah, and, and those comments, people... You know what's up with the comments section? What's Amazon? up with comment section? The comments section to Amazon, these people, these people, you hear the... You, they, they'll put like one star and then you go and read their critique of the book and they critique the book for being ill-written. Ill and then you read their writings and like, guys, <laughs> come on now. It was written by a second grader. It's like, what's going on here? You No commas in that whole thing. No periods. Um, it's rather upsetting. I'm just gonna put that out there, guys. Um, we affirm that you want you want good people. You want good book critics. You got to go to Goodreads, but then they 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 tend the other way. They get overly pretentious, and they give you this this account of the book. They which give is you a outrageous. dissertation, and it's like, all right, Jerry from uh, you know Springfield, calm down, Jerry. It's just Jerry Springfield. That was the person. That was wait, is that <laughs> that's what you got? Jerry, okay, uh, <laughs> Gerald from um, Atlanta. Atlanta. I was gonna say Walmart. Well, Gerald from Walmart. Okay, we're going further in the world, Tony. See, here's like, what's great to, is you are understanding the surreal aspect of this episode without realizing it. Excellent. Your tangents are only adding to the depth of chaos. Excellent. Uh, so, but what's funny if you want a good laugh from uh, like from anything, just read the comments of any like product or just. And especially like yeah. the one star ones because they have the greatest yeah. critiques. I mean, things. I don't know about you. You want to laugh. People of God out there. People of God. You want to laugh. You want to go to YouTubes. So you get into the, the interwebs. Careful. And you go to YouTubes. Oh. And the uh, the comment section on YouTube for a lot of the uh, <laughs> for a lot of the uh, do it do it yourself stuff. <laughs> so like how to fold it. Like go to one called how to fold a shirt. And the comment section on that. It's pure, it's pure comedy. <laughs> yeah. um, there's people are so good natured out there, and they're so funny. They'll just build up anything, and just spin, just start spinning a yard because it's an American tradition. We're in the in the school of uh, Mark Twain, so we will pick anything and spin a story out of that. Um, there's a lot of joy there. Indeed. 
circling back around, JP2 style, mm-hmm. spirating yeah, downward. Yeah, circumvent uh, once more. Indeed. Is the motivation to find the end-all sermon mm-hmm. part of your discernment in choosing books and also your drive to read more books? Yes. I only read books because I'm trying to find the sermon to end the world. That Every book I buy is because I'm searching for the sermon to end the world. Um, and also, there are some side side effects, some, uh, some uh, yeah, extra things that happen along the, way, along the way. I think as clerics, we do not have the luxury to be superficial. Uh, and books really help you to, uh, to really be able to detect and erect an internal architecture, if that makes sense, to understand how people are built from within. Uh, emotionally, psychologically, etc., how things happen, and literature does does a lot of that. Um, y'all should check out a lot of the the science books on storytelling. There's a lot of there's there's some growing mm-hmm. literature on that. Um, there's a book that I read a while back, uh, Wired for Story, um, and it's just about like the neuroscience of what happens when you read a book, like a novel, what it does to the brain, how it puts you in somebody else's spot, and all that. Uh, so that's there's just so much to do that from books. Though. We do not have the luxury of being superficial as Catholics. If we were not Catholics, we could say, I don't read books, they're boring. But as Catholics, we don't have that luxury because we really have to understand the world. Furthermore, our Lord Jesus, Savior of the world, Redeemer of man. Oh, yeah, I've heard of the guy. Yeah, oh, man. Who is he? <laughs> you know Scrogglins? <laughs> We're not that surreal yet. Golly. Okay. Well, I don't know if I want to go on now. (laughs) That's a good idea. Oh, darn. I don't know. Uh, No. Um, Our Lord, our blessed Lord, every time he had to explain something, where did he go to? Books. Stories. Yeah. Well, books of the Old Testament. Story. Storytelling. Lore. Hey, Lord, this really important question. He starts, well, there was a man who had two sons, you know? Hey, Lord, who will be forgiven? Okay, there was a woman who lost a coin. And like, why would he do that? He understood the power of story. So anyway, I just think as Catholics, we do not have at any point the luxury of uh, feigning ignorance or, or of being superficial concerning story and books and information. And I think we should just buy all the books that we can all the time. Would you say that Catholics are in an, are in an obligatory position to read and buy books? Um, I think so. That, but that's just me. That's my little, that's my little Jeremiah that I always throw out. Nice. My little, my little thing that I'm like, this needs to happen always, people. This needs to happen always. Um, hmm. I, you know, I became a, a hardcore kind of reader when I was in. Um, geez, when did I start wearing glasses? as nerd like. <laughs> um, the true sign of a book nerd. Yeah, yeah. Um, of a bibliophile. Yeah, ah, dude, I've been a bibliophile ever sounds, since I was a little kid. Since like, sounds wrong. Is that a thing? Lover of books. Lover of books. Is that a bibliophile? Yeah, that's yeah. an actual word. Read a book, Tony. <laughs> oh my gosh. Jeez. Oh my god, guys, are you see? This is what I mean. Are you seeing this? Are you see, are you here? Are you are you seeing this? Are you with tasting your mind's this? Eye with your mind. Is that a thing? Mind's eye. Yeah. With your mind's eye. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> I must have been a little nerdy kid back in eighth grade, and I would I just always buy books. I'd go to, you guys are too young to remember this, but there was another competitor to Barnes and Noble. And it was called Borders. Ooh. So it was Borders and Barnes and Noble, uh, and of course there were all the used bookstores. But uh, this is before the advent of uh, of Amazon Prime taking over all of book selling, and before Kindle, of course. But yeah, my dad just always bought me books. And I always, he took us to, uh, uh, what's that library downtown? Uh, Burton Bar Library. He would take us every like two weeks um, to get books and CDs and just come home and we'd consume books. In seminary, I just always made a point to like buy a book almost a week. Um, or like every two weeks, I'd go to the store and get a book uh, and then start like timing myself. I, anyway, anyway. That's just a long way of saying I was always immersed in story since I was a little kid. A lot of my conversion took place really reading on my own because I didn't really have a lot of Catholic friends, uh, nor did I do many Catholic things. Never went to youth groups nor any of that. So it's just me reading alone all the time. 
this just turned into a really sad story. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> We're here for you, Deacon. I'm sorry, I mean, guys. All of a sudden, I'm laying down on this couch. Point. Like, it's an <laughs> analyst couch. Anyway, sorry. Uh, that's just short to say, people need to read. I'm sorry. Like, everybody seems to be more informed a lot of the times than Catholics about mm. anything. Like, science, technology, politics. Everybody seems more informed than us, and I don't think that should be the case. Why do you think that Catholics are less informed? <clears throat> well, it, think- I don't know if they are less informed. It just seems like we're less informed. Um, but Deacon. And I don't want to say that in a mean way. Like, I don't want... I think... Here, let me rephrase that, because that can sound... That can sound... That, that's actually rather harsh on my part. Maybe, maybe, maybe spin it like... But Deacon, we have the sacraments on our Lord. Will he not provide for everything? Yes. Why, was, why must we dive in things outside of the faith? Well... Here's the thing. The church in the 20th century, 21st century now, um, with, the, with the coming of Vatican II and this, this push to go out from within the comfort of the church into the world, kind of gave the laity the impetus to really get to know their faith, know the world they live in, and go out and spread the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's the thing, though. That we can know the faith and know our Lord, but we cannot, we, there's a sense in which we won't be speaking the language of the people who we talk to. We might speak the same, we, we all speak English, but we're not speaking really the same cultural language a lot of the time. So it makes it difficult to hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, just like, I don't know, if you, if you, yeah, like when we go and talk to people, we have to know that they're seeing the church through the lens a lot of the times of, of misinformation or underinformation by the media and through like memes. People know Catholics through memes. Um, and we go to them and we try to explain to them. So, so we think that the, 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 the evangelization is only a didactic exercise where we're going to go out with a whiteboard. And then once I explain it really well, they're really going to understand it. But we've been doing that for a while now and people still don't care. Um, so there's a sense in my mind that people really, that we're not speaking the same cultural language. And the least that we can do as people who are grounded in the truth is to understand and be able to handle some of that cultural language, which comes with knowing the science, the politics, um, even like the pop culture aspect of it. So like the cartoons or the TV shows that are popular, knowing something of that and be able not to say like, and, and then, well, and then at least to know that and be able to speak of the gospel within those terms. Um, I don't know if that makes sense. That's it just does. a little idea of mine. Mm-hmm. I'm in Camino here. I'm learning. I'm on the way. I'm not yet an expert on all this. Interesting. But that's what I think. That's. I, mm-hmm. I actually totally agree with you on that. I hear a lot of, uh, or because I can say speak on on from my point of view is that it's like when you've got someone who who's not able to connect with you or connect with, you know, where, you know, what you've seen or, and what you know, then it's like, even as me as a Catholic, where like, I know the Catholicism, but I also know a lot of the, the worldly things, a lot of you know, TikTok trends, hmm. a lot of those things. And so when people who are, I, I want to give a great example, Father Matt Lowry, when, when someone who's able to um, kind of put themselves on that same level of, or whatever, and, and then and integrate the Catholic faith into whatever whatever platform or whatever um, kind of, like you were saying, um, story or, or um, like culture or politics or science or whatever, integrate how the Catholic faith relates to all of that and how it can be spread through there is, is very important because if a lot of young people today, if you start telling them about the traditions of the church and like about the great, you know, pre-Vatican II and everything, like, no, they're not going to care. They, they, like, it's, it's the, stu- the stupidest thing ever. Yeah, uh, one girl literally told us that the other day. <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> no, yeah. yeah. It's like, we don't care about your Latin mass. Yeah. She's like, oh, geez. And then she said it again. <laughs> and like, all right, we get it. And no, seriously, guys, we don't care. Like, okay, Meryl, enough. <laughs> Wasn't her name, but. Um, Was it? What? No, that was. I don't think that was. It was. Name. She was an Ethel. She was definitely an Ethel. Oh, an Ethel. Okay, yeah. Ethel? yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, if you're listening to this, that sounds like a like a it sounds like an old lady. We're <laughs> running with Whoa. anonymous name. <laughs> Anthony, how dare you stereotype? Wow. Like when you say wow. Ethel, I would like to I apologize of... to our beloved elderly community <laughs> of the Diocese of Phoenix. Anthony has to not every left Ethel the out there. We love you. 
Yeah, I'm sorry. There's probably an Ethel who's listening, and that was really mean. I'm really sorry, Ethel. Yeah, my what cousin. What are the chances there's an Ethel listening to this right now? Uh, well, we could look. You up know, if there's the an Ethel, Ethel's in the world. I will. I will take you out to the uh, Starbucks coffee. Was, he almost said dinner. Call, no, I was gonna say Dutch Rose, but there's no way in. Oh, you should Rose. take you to Dutch Rose. Sorry, no way in. Uh, uh, yeah, Heck. no way in. Going to Dutch Rose. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> and if there's anybody out there who works or supports Dutch Rose. I'm not taking you anywhere. I so don't Deacon, want to prove. Why? Why? Are we gonna edit this? Why out? do you have a great aversion? We can. <laughs> no, don't edit it out. We'll see what happens. Deacon, why do you have a great aversion? To hang Dutch on, hang Rose? on. Wait, wait. You got to finish your. your yeah, go thought. back to your. Yeah, go back thought. to the. Go back to the thought. The, that was why a do you have a great aversion to Dutch Bros? No, no that was the Ethel, tangent. The Muriel. When Ethel, Muriel told us being an old lady. <laughs> oh my gosh! So mean. <laughs> when Muriel told us the other day, we don't care about your Latin mass. Exactly. I thought that was you finishing the thought. I mean, that was. Exactly. It's where I was agree, basically agreeing with your point where you have to know the culture and you have to know the, I guess, the hot button issues that are going yeah. on. And, and also everyone else's stance is for them. Because if you just say, here's, you know, if you just come at them with what the church teaches and you're just like, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, then it, like, they're, again, not going to care. And they're like, well, you're stupid. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tony. Deacon. You're a smart kid. I know. <laughs> he's, he's, guys, he's quite smart. <laughs> I walk around with a sandwich in my hands and look at him do homework. And I'm like, golly, that is a lot of really smart numbers there. It's There's really like a three with a parenthesis. I'm like, holy smokes. <laughs> they got letters in those numbers now? <laughs> very impressive. He's very smart. Tony, are you ready for the next level? I'm, I think so, hopefully. We were in the first floor of this edifice. Let me take you to another 30 floor. 30 minutes in. A higher floor into this whole reading are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Not only are we reading to understand what people are thinking, because that's one level of reading. Oh, yeah. I know they're saying this thing. Well, I don't agree with that because I have this other thing. Not only are we doing that, because that's easy. You can go and get a summary of a Richard Dawkins book. You can go and get a, a summary of a Christopher Hitchens book. You can listen to their talk and say, well, I know their thoughts now, but that's not my thought. That's one level. But here's what reading really does. When you get into those novels, into those poems, into those TV shows, into like there's a there's this level that we gotta get to as Catholics that's to my mind, to my weak mind, this is the real incarnational point. Where you see why they would think that. I see. Mm-hmm. Not only do you see that they think a thing against the church, for let me just take like like scientific atheists, like materialists. Not only do you see that they don't believe that there's a spiritual realm and that all things, all forms of knowing can be reduced to the scientific form of knowing, not only do you see that and then counteract with argument, which is one level, but there's this further level where you see why they would think that. Where you're like, huh, yeah, you would think that, wouldn't you? Yeah. And that, mon ami, which is Italian for my friend. It's actually for my friend. And that, mon ami, is what we want when we read books. Because you really get into the other person's, not only head, but a little bit into their heart. Like, there's this moment where it clicks, where you've, you've read, you've understood, you've talked to all these people, and you're like, and you see it from their eyes. You're like, man... I do see why you would want to be an atheist. I see now why you would want there to be no God. I see it now. And then from there, can you really say, but Christ is risen? Because if you're only understanding their arguments superficially, and then you're like, oh, no, no. So Aquinas said, and you're never having conversations with people. You're only throwing ideas and they're throwing ideas, you know. And this really clicked for me one time in, in seminary, in my second or first year, I don't remember, of philosophy. There was a debate between um, the, um, the philosophy professors of the seminary and the philosophy professors at the university, the secular university. And all those guys were Nietzschean. And we, we performed intellectually, the, 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 the priests who were there, they performed excellently on an intellectual level. They had... Like very well, um, they had very well laid out uh, thesis and and conclusions, etc. I thought they did okay, but what I realized is that the 
the debate was never about these theses of, of like or these arguments from reason in a way. Um, and I, I saw this when the first atheist went up and said, hello, everyone, I'm an atheist. And that's fine. Nothing happens to you, as you can see. So he started like taunting. Like he's like he goes. Wow. He went up there. He's like, I'm an atheist, and see, it's fine. Nothing has happened. It's fine. He said it, and then he goes, wow. I have a set of understandings and beliefs that, just like you will never give up your belief for God, I will never give up my atheism, because I it's a worldview for me. It's like, and that's fine. And nothing bad has happened to me. And then he went on to explain like what what all that meant. But at the beginning of the whole argument, he went to tell us that he was living a life already that was such a that was such a life that whatever we said, he it didn't matter to him because arguments and all that didn't matter to him. He wasn't an atheist because of a thought. And I was just like, dang, that guy's kind of bold. And I just remembered at the end. Of that, they, he was getting into a heated debate about the resurrection with one of the priests. And the atheist just goes, yes, yes, this Lord, this Lord. Where is he, I wonder? And he, you know, he's like mentioning the maladies of the world. Like, where is he? Where, why is he so good? He's like, the best thing he's, the, the thing he's best at is never showing up and never appearing at anything. And the priest said, he's, you know, he's here. He's with us. He's within us. And the atheist goes, he just grabbed the mic and said, no and then dropped it and it was like oh smokes like what's going on here like but i just came to realize that best arguments were put out by very smart people very they were all we all ended up being friends but i'm like i need to know at that point i'm like i need to know why that guy would feel that would think that well it sounds like from what you just told me that he feels that because he feels that god does never shows up was like he was maybe yeah. trying to trust in God at one point, and then God never showed up for him. Yeah, sure. Like I, I don't, I don't know what the, what the, what the, you know, what the beginning of that story is. But one thing, sh- <clears throat> one thing that struck me for sure is that I, I saw that I needed to learn why he would feel that way. Like, but I needed to know from within, which is what books give you at a certain point after much reading. You're like. You there's this point where you're like, huh. The world, the world does seem to be, the world is as it would be if there were no God. Sometimes it feels like that, like the world is kind of as it would be if there were no God, right? Like people, like children still get kidnapped and and people die and and all the calamities happen, and then and then we say, oh, I had a grace because I found my keys. <laughs> it's like that's it that's where that's where grace is working out your car keys for your kia um <laughs> and you wonder what about what about the children of rwanda you know uh anyway this is not to say anything like i'm not saying any of this so that i can have an argument presented against all i'm saying is that there's a point in like you reading of the world and of things and of listening to other people and their struggles where you do say i, I can see why you would think that and seeing that, then you can, I, I think, in, to my mind, then the reality of Christ's resurrection and the sending of the Holy Spirit with, uh, to the church and the sanctification of the world through the sacraments, then it really begins to be incarnate because you've touched the depths of the darkness, which is the whole Paschal mystery, the Christ's dying on the cross and the utter moment of darkness, his entrance into the bottommost part of hell and returning triumphant. But only when you see it clearly from within on the other side. I don't know if that makes sense. Uh, that's all part of my search for the sermon to end the world. Bum, bum, bum. There you go. <clears throat> now that makes sense. I had a question, though, back yeah. to what you said about reading books to learn why, you know, why someone has that view or you know, what, what is causing them to have that view. Does that apply to then both fantasy and nonfiction? It applies to every well-written account because ultimately in well-written books and in just great books the heart and the mind that goes into it into expressing what's going on within a person so much of the person and their interior uh, um, structure is put into the writing that you begin to see them from within in a way so this goes into everything this goes into 
just the, the Catholic classics like Lord of the Rings. Um, he's not Catholic, but like Narnia and all Narnia, that stuff. Yeah. Great science fiction. Um, even great TV shows um, with good writing in them. You just begin to see this. You, um, I, I, I want to think of a... I want to think of a good example where this where this clicked. So, for example, the show Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad, it's a you know, it was a great show. Two thousand eight, I think it was. It began. So mm-hmm. you're following these characters. It's a very well written show, and that's an understatement. It's very well shot. Uh, the show just draws you in, like even from the color scheme that is color scheme that is selected at the beginning of the show, the music, the and you know the story of this guy Walter white and you're following him and this is the thing that really struck me about the show that i really enjoyed all the characters even the ones that i didn't like personally like murray um uh walter white's sister-in-law like i personally like i didn't like her but i understood but i liked her character like she was great in there she was like she could always smell that walt was up to something then you have the two or two of the main two of the greater characters, which is Walter White, who's who's, you know, has this uh, drug thing going on um, and Hank, his uh, his brother in law. And you're kind of rooting for Hank, but you're also rooting for Walt at the same time. Weirdly, like you want, but they can't both win. And you're getting the depths of these two personalities, which you really like and you enjoy both of them. <clears throat> So you're stepping outside of your own, like, like default mode of relating to characters, and your your vision of that is expanding, as opposed to just viewing a movie that that offers its plot immediately and transparently, and and it's just the regular old plot: good guy, bad guy, conflict, rising conflict, climax, and you know, and then you you never learn. You're always just watching these things from black and white, and I was just telling us. As I was telling, um, I don't know who the, who the heck I was telling this, but the world is not black and white on account of the world is not made of, you know, only uh, light and photons traveling and reflecting upon an object and hitting your retina and being interpreted through certain uh, neurological processes as colors, which are black and white. That's not the world. That's one aspect of the world. The actual world is made of dirt and fire and water and organs and blood and destruction and conflagration and grace and love and mercy. So your vision really has to expand between, oh, I didn't like that movie, uh, or oh, that book is so hard, to like, oh, I got to understand this. Like, the world is more complex than I am at f- immediately, like, make, I am um, immediately judging it. All that to say, that's what books do. It Like, they stretch you, they let you see different angles of things, uh, not black and white, but alive, fresh, vegetative, sentient, intelligent, bloody, red and tooth and claw, and also redeemed. Um, so that's a wider world which books allow you to have. You know, that's uh, that's my uh, that's my homily on that. Oh, is that the sermon to end the world? No, because <laughs> you would have heard a trumpet sound, Wait. my friend. <laughs> Wait, no, was that no? That was just Listen? a church bell across the street. No, no, it's not the sermon to end the world. No. I'll tell you one sermon Ooh. that is almost a sermon to end the world. Sorry, what's easy? I got no, no, go for it. Have you ever listened to go on go on the interwebs and go on the YouTubes the and YouTubes. look up uh, uh, Martin Luther King? Uh, what is the sermon? He, this is a sermon he preaches. It's it's not a sermon. It's like like this talk that he gives uh, before he was killed. Um, and he's, I have seen, like, I think it's, I have been to the mountaintop, it's called. And it is so glorious. I think everyone should listen to that because he's talking about, like, the civil rights movement and everything. But at the end of the sermon, and he's so good at it, uh, he's just weaving in, like, American history and Bible and all that. But he says, like, he starts quoting the prophets, like, I have been to the mountaintop and I have seen the glory of the Lord and all of that. Uh, and, and he, but at, at the end of that sermon, he's just talking about how he might not enter the promised land because everybody kind of wants to kill him. He does get killed shortly after he uh, he offered that speech. Um, but that that's one of the sermons where I'm like, oh, man, that sermon sounds a little bit like the sermon to end the world. Um, yeah. Yeah, a lot of Fulton Sheen sermons have that little quality. Oh, yeah. But they're a little bit like, ooh, 
Ooh, cool. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Ooh, I got a little the shiver there. All right. All right, nice. All right, Fulton. Nice. nice cape. The cape helps. Oh, gosh. <laughs> the cape and the hands, the flare. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like classically trained. It's really cool. Oh, it's could, I could never pull that off now. <laughs> Anytime you walk into anywhere with a cape, now you're like, okay, we're post The Incredibles. Capes are out. Yep. <laughs> Calm down. We've, we've seen no The Incredibles. Capes. We're not doing capes. No capes. <laughs> Thank you, Edna Mode. Deacon, recommend one book that everyone should buy on Amazon in the next five minutes. Uh, that's the autobiography of Marvin Soto. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Beautiful. And I'm happy. Yeah. <laughs> no, a book to a book that everybody should buy in the next five minutes. Oh, jeez, gosh, like what? Like what genre? Give me. Let's narrow it down. The this first, like your, your you are diving, you are diving into that first book with the mentality of grasping the world from a wider angle than the one you previously held. What is the first book that you're going to pick up and say, okay, I kind of get this differently now? Ooh. An introductory level into the psyche of the expansive mind. Okay. Introductory level to the psyche of the expansive mind. Oh, how about, um, wait, what was that Calvin book called? Calvin and Hobbes. The, an essay on, what was it? The what? The, an, an essay on... Something. It was the book you all made fun of, um, you and, and Father Glenn. Where, where oh, is the title geez. of the book? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> we'll save that for another podcast. Um, I forgot there was an the essay. El- oh, what? the it's elements a, of eloquence. A, an essay, an essay in the aid of a grammar of ascent oh, yeah. by John Henry Newman. A great book, but a he horrific was just title. Fun of, he's like has the worst title. Who was the PR person at that point <laughs> at the uh, at the publishing house? Jeez, there's so many. Look, dude. I all right. I would say a book to open your mind a little bit. Seven Story Mountain, Thomas Merton. Um, if you read it carefully, but the thing is that it's not entry level because he's like writing in the 40s and he's talking about the 20s yeah. and he's like quoting Duke Gallatin. And you're like, who do Duke Gallatin? He's quoting Jacques Maritain and like all these thinkers. Um, That's a multi layered book. Yeah. Ugh. Are you listening, Ben? <laughs> multi layered. It's a word. Get over it. Um, um, yeah, I have I have many. Let's see. I would say people should read. Gosh, dude, I like like narrow it down. Narrow it yeah, down. I mean, like I'm always a fan of like the dystopian fiction. That's always been my genre. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So like mm-hmm. the road for me has been very helpful by Cormac McCarthy. Ooh, Cormac McCarthy. Um, yeah. so, but that's that definitely leans that's toward the here's the level. darkest level that we can show you. Like yeah. here is the world without God. Yeah. Uh, so that's yeah. my, that, like. I don't know. I mean, is uh, is 1984 like a good one to start with? Um, uh, yeah, these are like the classic. These are these are like a, the classics, a genre, yeah. a genre on their own, where it's like school books you hated in school but loved as an adult. So like To Kill a Mockingbird, hated it at oh, school, yeah. loved it later. I should read that one um, again. I know why the caged bird sings by Maya Angelou is a book that in school I deplored and then afterwards found it to be immensely beautiful, and I really really loved that memoir. Um, Okay, so what you about know what like I would say, what I would say to Catholics? Yes, like Catholics were eager. Catholics were like who have the time to really get into things. I think they should put themselves in a crisis of faith. No, rewind that. <laughs> this is <laughs> no, no, no. They should put themselves in a spot where they have to think a lot about a, something. Mm-hmm. So, for example, something. I had a crisis of of intellect in my first year of philosophy, or like entering into my first year of philosophy uh, in seminary, because I didn't understand the, the mind-body problem, which is also translates in, at some points to the, to the soul-body problem. And that put me in a crisis of faith a little bit, like, are we just brain, or are we just soul? Or, but that sent me to read tons of books like, man, there was a time where I was reading a book a day. Like, I would just get up and just pour through a book and be, like, all over through school. Um, so, I don't know. I think Catholics could could help themselves by, like, like really researching these kinds of topics. Um, yeah, but, geez. Ooh, Canica for Leibowitz. That's a book. That's a fun book. That's a book. good one to start with. To, uh, that's sci-fi. That's weird. That's fun. That's Catholic. That's safe. Um, yeah, yeah, that there's so many, I can't answer that question. Can I just be honest? Yes. 
Yeah, yeah, we got like a thousand different, a couple different books thrown out there, and we should compile a list of books. We could, yeah, yeah. I've been trying to do that for a while, and it's it's really hard. Like, there's that. There's a, uh, um, jeez, uh, I think the Sun Also Rises, which we read in the book club, is a, a beautiful and great book. Uh, now, actually, on that topic it. though, of book club, real quick here, Deacon, like, what, like, why? Is it helpful to read books? And this might just be an easy, easy answer. Like, why is it helpful to read books in a book club? Like, what, like, what, do, what is the benefit of having the club? Because this, is, this we, is our, this is our five-minute warning. As my computer is about to die. Oh, five-minute warning! His computer is about to die. Just kidding. Less than five-minute warning. My computer is about <laughs> All right, to die. We're hurry up. This is the last question I answer. <laughs> this is also a very long episode. Oh, jeez. Uh, book club. Why? Because it's we're here in a house with men encouraging each other, and that's a way to keep each other accountable on a goal that we all established was a good goal, and since men are prone to praise virtue and goodness but without taking any practical steps towards it, men in the book clubs have already decided previously that we want to read more, and in that book club we will encourage each other and help each other to accomplish that goal. Lovely. Thank you. So as we uh, wrap up here, Deacon, I know if you had any other thoughts, I'm sorry. But as we <laughs> You're being censored. I'm sorry. You're as done. As we wrap up, um, any prayer intentions for the week? Kind of a random thing to jump to, but... Um, it's okay. It's a surreal episode. It's the surrealist episode. episode. Um, I would just pray for the men of this house that they would learn here at the Nazareth house. My prayer intention is that we would all treat each other as brothers, even when we have conflicts with each other. I would pray that we learn to deal with that as men and brothers. That's my prayer intention. Lovely. That has been my prayer intention for a long time. Lovely. Scroggins? I would say uh, for me, prayer intentions for me to. I have like four days to do eight million things before our, when our Thanksgiving break. I have to do a lot or of the psych assessments. Or the superpower of super speed. Yes, yeah. Just the determination to get sleep and to, to get on it. Awesome. Zach, what about you? For a wonderful Thanksgiving weekend. Yes. And before we head out to I just want to mention that uh, our Deacon Marvin Soto here, he is a tr- transitional deacon. So hopefully uh, in June of next year, he will be ordained a uh, Ooh, great woot. priest. So be praying for him for that as well. Uh, he's uh, been in seminary for nine years and everything, and just kind of going through. Oh and my gosh! Yeah, he's done. He's ready master, to leave. Master seminarian, but he will be a, and he'll be a master priest soon enough. So we're praying for him as he's going on to lead the church or lead God's people by finding the ultimate sermon. Absolutely, the ultimate, ultimate and sermon. Maybe, and maybe he'll and give it the world. Bum bum bum. How do we end a surreal episode? Anthony, where are you? This is the beginning. Where did he go, Anthony? Wait, he was sitting next to me. Do you see him? Where did he go? Holy smokes, Shoot. Anthony, Tony, Tone Def. Wait, hang on, hang on. I, wait, I found him. Hang on. Is that him in your pocket? Yeah. Whoa. Tony, how oh did you get gosh. there? Welcome Golly, to the build show. Tony. The only Where'd show you get that pink hat? where people disappear. Where'd you get Why that pink hat, Why are your feet hat, hands? Golly. Hang on, he's floating. Are you? He's gone. Ah. Do I hear the Oompa Loompa song playing in the distance? Tony? Hello? Loompa Loompa Anthony!